Welcome to Go Into All the World. I am Matt Rodriguez, your co-host with Gary Griffin. Gary, what are we starting with today? Well, Manny, we're going to start with a review of some of the points from last week. Okay. We saw that God the Father, <clears throat> as well as Jesus, will never condemn us. Okay. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, mm. ever interceding for us. To me, this is a truth we see in many scriptures. And we also saw in Romans 8.35 the powerful truth that nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God. How great is that truth? Well, the verse mentions things like tribulation, distress, persecution, of course, famine, and even more, more stuff that happens. Now, none of these will separate us from God's love. A complete other truth where we are killed all day long like sheep for the slaughter and the great truth that all things are more than conquerors, that we are more than conquerors, as, right. as you said, not just conquerors, but like, like then because of what Jesus has done. You know, we are more than conquerors, and we did talk about that. It's because what, like you said, Manny, what he's done. So that makes us more than conquerors, not just conquerors. And, you know, we kind of ended things last week. We said that nothing can separate us. Mm -hmm. And some groups take this stance that, uh, or maybe they adopt, if you want to call a stance or a doctrine or a point, that, uh, hey, we can somehow lose fellowship and maybe even lose our salvation. Mm. Well, we know, we see verses like this, that they just say they're very inconsistent with these people, what they teach and what they feel is wrong. And I think there's multiple scriptures that say we cannot lose fellowship and we cannot lose salvation. Yeah, if we stop walking with him, we constantly you know, enter into sin or something, that's the fellowship thing might be an issue. But it's not so much we have to do things to stay in fellowship. We don't want to sin or do things that would take us out. Mm -hmm. But if we're trying to put burdens on people, you got to stay in fellowship. you got to confess everything. And, you know, basically there's things that could separate us, Manny. I think right. that's a, it's a mistruth and a misapplication. And to me, we want to make sure that we are assured in Him and that we are in Him. We're going on, on Romans 9, uh, beginning in verse 1. It reads, I say the truth. In Christ I lie not, my conscience also bearing uh, me witness in the Holy Ghost. Mm. Yeah, you know, Manny Paul is like letting us know or let everybody know mm -hmm. that he's going to make a statement, and that statement is true. And I know, I'm, as I read the Word, I think a lot of statements, and probably everybody else sees statements that it, initially they seem like hard to understand, maybe they even seem beyond reason or hard to believe, but... This time, Paul's like giving us a warning, and we're going to see one of those statements. Right, and so in verse, uh, so in verse two reads that I have great heaviness and continuous sorrow in my heart. Paul is leading up to his hard to believe statement. I guess you could say, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So in verses one and two, we've seen that, and you know, he prefaces this verse that's coming up, and I believe it's verse three, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. He's saying he is hurt, he has an issue, and he has sorrow, and. I think all of us, Manny, we all have sorrow when we think of people that are without Christ. You know, maybe they're a family member, maybe they're a friend, um, maybe they're somebody we're close to in another way in that sense, or mm -hmm. maybe it's just somebody just didn't respond to an invitation. But right. you know, we're human and we care for others. We have that heart that God's given us that heart, all right? And just as God the Father wishes that all mankind would be saved, we no doubt wish the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we wish that, I know for, for myself and probably you, that everybody right. I know or everybody I've kind of been an acquaintance with or come across, I wish they would know and they'd receive Christ. In fact, you know, years ago, Manny, I hadn't thought about it, but I used to pray that way. I said, God, I want to serve you, but please let everybody I know, or I, so to speak, 
uh, become an acquaintance with get saved. Now, mm -hmm. I can't put that demand on it, but anyways, that was kind of my heart. And of course, it doesn't diminish our joy in the Lord. But again, we see it. We have a desire to mm -hmm. see him saved, just like Paul's saying here. I know myself and others, I have the same feelings same, too, same thing. Okay. Uh, uh, Gary, and the same desire for those that we know. This is another clear call for us to share with others. Right. Let's see what the verse uh, three says here, Gary. You know, I like what you said, Manny. It's a clear call. If we care about these people, let's share with them. We have mm -hmm. the opportunity. That's mm -hmm. a good point. Okay, let's go on to verse three. I'm sorry. For I wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. To me, man, it's an amazing statement. Mm -hmm. One commentator said, in fact, that Paul was continually soured by the lack of faith in and kind of the lack of acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah. Um, this was probably exacerbated, excuse me, exaggerated and exacerbated by his own conversation, <laughs> or his own, excuse me, his own conversion, because he had these issues. He had problems. He didn't believe in Jesus. Actually, obviously, persecuted people from the way. Mm. Well, Paul sentenced believers to jail, and they may have directly, indirectly, he might have killed some. So his conversion from Paul to Saul was obviously miraculous and certainly left a deep impression on his heart. Well, you know, he called himself a chief sinner. Uh, I call myself a chief sinner too, you know, probably due to his actions or maybe even his unbelief. He is now uh, concerning his kinsmen who, like he once was, are so far from the truth. So they are bound by legalism or works or, or rules or requirements or whatever we put to it. Now, Paul, uh, con uh, Paul also is that he's knowing him as the king of kings. Right. And, you know, again, I think that would, that would make any of us sorrowful, especially when you talk about religious people that have some training and have some background. They're like, like, like you just said, they're kind of like, and we know they're bound by rules and requirements mm -hmm. and they kind of put in above and why are you healing on the Sabbath and all kind of dumb statements that we know are, you know, far, far from the truth and actually opposite of what God would do or say. Mm -hmm. So again, he is, like you said, he's comparing those statements, those truths, if you would, or in this case, mistruths to the King of King and Lord of Lords. Wow. Um, and, you know, he made a, he kind of made to me this very radical statement that he would actually sentence himself for us way saying to hell if it would save his kinsmen. Right. Powerful expression of love and, Concern. Let's go to verse uh, 4 through 6. Okay. Well, listen, this is what they read. We'll start with verse 4, of course. Who are Israelites to whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom is concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all? God bless forever. Amen. In verse 6, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. While Paul here is questioning who are the true Israelites, yep. who has great compassion for the Jew, partly because he is one himself too. Right. So partly because he so desires them to be saved. Wow. And we saw in verse one through uh, one through three uh, that he was also willing to sacrifice himself to go to hell, so to speak. If so, that this. Uh, would mean salvation right, for, the Jews, uh, for right. the Jews, right, or other Jews. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Well, we're going to see these next few verses, uh, four through six, and a few more, that he does question, and he kind of identifies who are the true Israelites. Mm -hmm. And again, like you said, Paul was desirous to see his kinsmen saved. 
And in these few verses here we just read, he's kind of telling us who are the true Israelites, the ones born as a Jew or someone else. And he starts off, and this is the, the verse that we just read, he kind of gives us the advantages to being a Jew. Yeah. The first one we read was the adoption. Right. And of course, this refers to the sonship that they would have with God as their father. We kind of see that, or it's elaborated in Exodus. The second point was the glory. Mm. Uh, this talks about the visible glory, the manifestation as we read about Exodus. And most of us kind of know the pillar of fire, <coughs> the cloud and the glory in the temple. So we kind of know these are visible representations right. of the glory. The third advantage that Jews have are the covenants. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> these are the covenants that God made or, so to speak, cut with the Israelites. Uh, a couple of those are, let's see here, the Mosaic, the right. Abrahamic, and the Davidic. Well, and God made those covenants with the Jews, or should I say the Jewish nation, right? That they were, they, they were his chosen people. These are God chose these people. And these covenants outline what he would provide or even agree to with his people. Manny, that is so true. And it's exciting to see those, you know. But of course, we've moved on to a better covenant now with Jesus. Right, amen. Um, all right, a couple more things. It said, you know, the Jews, again, were God's people. And we're seeing Paul's kind of clarifying who are his people. But who's the true Israel now? now he did list a few more advantages, and I want to cover them. <clears throat> he first of all talked about the giving of law, and that was, of course, Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. The temple service, we all kind of understand that. The promises, which, as one commentator or a commentary says, are usually associated with the covenants, including the main feature of blessings through the coming of the Messiah. And by the way, I took that from Alan F. Johnson, Romans, Volume 2, the Freedom Letter, Revised. I want to make sure I cite him for that. Mm -hmm. The next thing he said, the fathers listed here refer to the patriarchs, and the, quote, Christ references, of course, is Jesus, and he being a descendant of the Jews. Well, so in, in uh, verse 6 is, is very critical, isn't it? Yes. So Paul is an equitable start, uh, states that not all those who are of uh, uh, Jewish descent are the true Israel today. So the Jews had these advantages. They had the promises. They had the knowledge. They had the covenants. But though uh, these were part of their religious background, the true Jew is the person with a changed Amen. heart. I like that. Amen. And this is why he Amen. can say they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Isn't that an amazing <laughs> Isn't statement? That crazy? And it makes sense, doesn't it? Right, you're right. We see this. Okay, the true Jew is the one with the changed heart. Right. So again, he can say that not all Israel are Israel because right. not all have the changed heart. And that kind of leads us, Manny, to why Jesus said you must be born again. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people today claim that they're Christian because their church uses a Bible, uh, or maybe they have Jesus in their denominational name, or they have some of the, quote, practices that are, we associate with Christians, or they quote certain verses, and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Right. But again, Jesus said a man or a woman, if you would, must be born again to even see the kingdom of God or to enter the kingdom of God. Mm. And, you know, not our, our background, our denominational stance, our practices, or our own actions, of course, or good works, et cetera, they're not enough to save us. So I'm going to read that again. Our background, our denominational stance mm -hmm. or practice, our own good works or our actions, they're not enough to save us. Mm. And anybody, the modern church intendium in particular, must have a changed heart right. and a changed nature. That old man must go on. An old man must die and be replaced by this new nature. So <clears throat> just as those of the Jewish faith must put their trust in Christ, 
not their advantages from the Jewish faith. So they had these advantages, but claiming I have the advantages of not being born again is not enough. They have to be born again, okay? And they have to know, yeah, God did a lot of mm -hmm. great things for us and a lot of great things for, quote, the Jewish nation, but that still doesn't make me, as Paul said, Israel, if right. I don't have that changed heart. Wow. So this harkens back to Romans 1 and 2. So we saw that the, the Jewish... The, the Gentiles, the Gentiles yeah. I'm sorry, uh, in chapter 1 and in the Jews in chapter 2. So both uh, chapters uh, dealt with the background and how these seem to qualify one. And Paul shows how the true Israel and the true Christian is one with a changed heart and nature. I like that. Changed it's heart and nature. Right. You know, That's a good point. It's both, isn't it's it? It's both. You know? Your heart gets changed, but then that old nature has died and is replaced <laughs> with the new nature, right? It's very clear here in Romans uh, 2 it, you know, that it makes this position very clear for us. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? That's a that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful yeah. statement. <laughs> I think we have to be very careful about judging, okay? Right. Or do you yeah. show, uh, uh, you know, uh, just because of his kindness or, you know, his, his patience and realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you or lead us and them to repentance. Right. You know what I mean? And because of, of, of our stubbornness and our unrepented heart, uh, you you stored up a wrath against yourself for the uh, for the day of God's wrath when His uh, righteous judgment will be revealed. So many will say that they are not like so and so or do such and such or or dress like so and so too, right, you know, right, whatever, right. right? And show that they will escape God's wrath. When we read here in 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 that God's goodness, wow, just just God's goodness, right? His goodness, right? I, 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 I want to meditate on that. I, for I have to I stop there yeah. for a moment. You know, when right. you just think about God's goodness, uh huh. Wow, it, it just, it's just amazing. It, it, it is amazing. It draws Andy, us to His I goodness. That, it draws us you know, to repentance, to yeah. know that being born again, not just trusting our own uh, uh, pedigree or our background, like right. you were saying earlier, and, yeah. and a true Jew and a true Christian again has to re be, has to be repented. And is trusting in Jesus, uh, and his heart, and or her nature, is new, right? And, and listeners, I want to clarify. Many read from Romans two verses three through five, that said we don't judge and we do this and we we, we can show contempt because we don't like this or that. Mm. And we're like you said, you can't do that. Okay, you're kind of like storing up wrath. <laughs> and again. <laughs> We think we're okay, we can judge others because we don't do like Manny said, such and such and so and so. But that's simply not true. You know, the Bible says that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Right. And it says, judge not. So God doesn't want us to judge people. No. You know, other believers or anybody else for that matter. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand, we start judging. The Bible actually says, you judge another, you're actually guilty of the same thing. So let's just stop judging. <laughs> all right. Well, how about if we go on? We'll go on to verses 7 and 8. Here they read. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children. But in Isaac shall they, they, thy seed be called. Excuse me. And verse 8, that is, they which are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise, as counted or counted as seed. Hmm. 
So again, we see that the emphasis or selection are not the physical seed, but the chosen ones, the promised ones. And we remember that Isaac was not the firstborn okay, of Abraham, mm-hmm. and Jacob was not the firstborn. Mm-hmm. But both of them, they did receive the birthright and the blessing. And again, as verse 8 reads, they which are the children of flesh are not the children of God, but the children of promise are. Wow. So here in verse 9, for this is the word of promise at this time. I will come and Sarah will have a son. So this is the, the example most of us know that Sarah and, and uh, Abraham had a, had a uh, surrogate son. and Yeah, uh, Ishmael, right? Ishmael through Hagar. But his son was not the child of the promise right? and would not inherit the promise. We know that they did have their own son, but not the firstborn. Right. But born as the promise, God shows who he chooses. Right. So again, we've seen, listeners, we've seen we had Isaac was not the firstborn, Jacob was not the firstborn, mm-hmm. um, and of course Isaac in here, born to Sarah and Abraham, was born after Ishmael. But the ones that received are the ones that God foreknew that would follow him that if you want to say God, because of his foreknowledge, would then choose, they became the sons of promise, all right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on to verses 10 and 11. They kind of reveal a, a similar position. Here's what they say. And not only this, but when Rebekah had also conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for verse 11, for the children not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Let me go ahead and read that again. For the children were not yet mm. born, or the children not yet born, had neither done good or evil. Mm. But it was the purpose of God, according to the election that might stand, not of their works, okay, but of him that calls. So God saw again, and so he calls those people. He says, that we read you know, many verses ago, he calls those, and those he calls, he chooses, and then he justifies and stuff. Well, back to this part, Paul continues the main point that God and his choice, okay, are sovereign. Mm -hmm. Verse 11 states the purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works or birth or some inherent privilege, but of what? But of him that calls. And one commentary notes that some may use this to assert the doctrine that God will elect or select some for damnation. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that not only does God call the elect, But then again, he calls, if you would, or selects, if you would, some for damnation. Well, Mm, I think that is utterly false. I think it's a a false position. I think it it produces a false, if you want to call it, view of God, and it's wrong. That God's going to like sentence some people to hell, if you would. You know, God doesn't really sentence people to damnation. He he doesn't force them to go here or force them to go there or do this or don't do that. But he does respond, as we talked about, to the choices people make. And again, if we see that this is the the crux of this argument, that God foresaw things and he responds to those choices, then again, we'll see the goodness, like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. of God, that God saw these things and he responds to them, not condemning us, not, so to speak, sending us to hell, if we would, and not, if you want to call it, uh, condemning us, all right? Mm -hmm. This is all attributable to his foreknowledge, okay? We've kind of talked about that. And I, 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 don't, I don't think I've shared this verse, but First Peter 1, 2 states, 
elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Mm. To me, Manny, this verse references what we saw in Romans 8, 29, that those predestined would be conformed to the image of his son again by that foreknowledge. Wow. And so verse 12 reads, it was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. Right. Wow. And most of us know this story, how uh, Esau lost his birthright right. or he sold it or for a meal. Wow. So Rebecca <laughs> was given to the word and uh, and it came to pass. Now the nation of Esau was was a servant and ruled by the, the, the nation of, of Jacob. Right. Now notice uh, was this was a, a prophecy. Right. That the older would serve right. the younger. So we would seek God and hear from him so he can direct our paths. He knows the beginning from the end, and he gave us his spirit to counsel and guide us. Let's use this. Manny, that's, that's again part of the crux of this program is we're encouraging listeners to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, know the word, and as the Spirit leads or guides you, or just as you feel you want to do something, begin to do it. It says here, the older would serve the younger. God wants to give us words of wisdom like that, that, hey, Gary, go to verse A, or hey, Gary, go take job A and, and not job B, or take job F and forget A and B altogether and stuff. <laughs> kind of like, you know, who's, right. who's we're going to realize he knows this, like you said, he knows the beginning from the end. So we want to seek him, and as much counsel that his spirit gives us, we want to be attuned to that and let it guide us and let it use this and really follow him. And I think that's what it means by daily pressing in, you know. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, Gary, is that one thing about serving God, I believe this wholeheartedly, is that the Lord wants faithfulness right, and obedience. You know, I think that is so exciting that we see something in the Word, and I think we're going to actually quote the next program, Luke 18. It said, Jesus said, well, I find faith on the earth when I return. So you're right, faithfulness is, is, is a major, major part of it. And I think that those are two good points that you made, okay? We need to be faithful. What was the other word you Obedience. used? Obedience. Obedience. So again, listeners, as you're hearing what Manny is saying today, you hear the Word of God, you hear a teaching, you hear some of, these, uh, some of the things we've read or maybe some of the points we've made, <coughs> please be obedient to them. You know, when God tells me, and I'll talk again about the story about the ice cream parlor, you know, God told me, you know, I didn't even tell me to witness to this girl or share with her, but once she said she had a need, and again, we'll talk about our next program, then I responded, and there was, a, there was some unforgiveness. But you know mm. what? I First of all, I talked to her about some general things to kind of like warm up her heart. Then she says to me, what do I need to do next? And I said to her, you need to forgive. Mm. But just like Manny said, she was faithful coming to the man of God. She had an issue. She brought it up again. We'll talk about it more. But when the time came, she had to be faithful, Manny. She had, there was some yes. unforgiveness, and she had to put that unforgiveness down. And thank God that she did. And okay? you know, right through that, she had to obey. Right, within exactly. Her, she may not know it was the Holy Spirit, but within her, something was saying, Okay, I got to do this. And when you right. say I got to do this, you're obeying. Right, exactly. So your comment about faithfulness and obedience is so very important, okay? In these last days, again, listeners, think about what Manny said, faithfulness and obedience. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to end here with one more thing. 
when we say that, like Manny said about the Spirit of God talking to you, the Bible says there's a, you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And I'm encouraging all of you listening today, press into God. Don't make it some kind of stressful, some carnal thing, right? You know, you get all tense and anxious and stuff. But press into Him the way that you know how and the best that you know how. And, and say, God, I can give you 10 minutes. Well, maybe I need to do 20 minutes or... Gee, I could put a tape on as I'm driving to work or something like that. So again, think about these points today. We're just about out of time. And remember, if you need help, call on the Lord. He says, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining Manny and I. And we hope you can join us next week as we go into all the world.